Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. We on? We on. Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10, a J10 initiative. Oh, beautiful, four spacious skies, four amber waves of grain. Isn't it four amber waves of grain? Four amber waves <laughs> of grain. I just remember like the purple, ma- purple mountain majesty part. Yeah. That's ours, right? Uh, yeah, Colorado. We uh, yes, we had in Albuquerque. We had the Sendia Mountains, which means watermelon, and so we oh, had yeah. red mountain majesty. And actually, I always, I still argue, and I don't. I've never been on the western slope during a sunset. I still argue that Albuquerque has some of the best sunsets because. The sun sets, of course, in the west, and then it reflects back, and the mountains, this, the Rockies in Albuquerque are on the east. So oh, you have yeah. the sunset on the west, and then you have the sunset lighting up the Sandia Mountains, the watermelon mountains, and they just turn bright red. So you almost are like surrounded by the redness of the sunset. It's beautiful. Yeah, the colors. Yeah. They, I've heard that uh, New Mexico has a, the best colors. Georgia O'Keeffe oh, yeah. moved down there because yeah. of the, the colors. And then did a lot of work in black and white. <laughs> Oh, that's true too. <laughs> but but no, no. There's actually, of, like, it is art. There's a lot, there's a real art scene down there, and a lot of like uh, Santa Fe. Oh yeah, balloon shows. Yep, hot air balloon fiesta, biggest in the world. Oh yeah. Actually, so Albuquerque has the balloon fiesta, international balloon fiesta every year, largest balloon festival in the world, and the longest tramway that goes from Albuquerque to the top of the Sandia Mountains. So uh-huh. this hasn't happened in probably two decades, but the Sandia used to have a ski resort on the east side of the mountains so you could literally grab your snowboard like go to the base of the mountain in albuquerque strap it to your back take the tramway up 20 minutes to the you're to the top of the mountain you're skiing down the other side snowboard down the other side get back on the tramway go back down to your car that that's sitting right there in the city and be home in five ten minutes wow it was incredible yeah but... i was gonna ask you what a tramway was i feel embarrassed as a skier yeah okay so the tramway <laughs> like a is, it, is a one one lined it's like a one massive gondola exactly okay and then there's one that goes up one that goes down big box with a lot of people in exactly. it. exactly big box a lot of people in it and then then, then two lines one that so that they uh they pass each other as, as one oh, goes right. up one goes down okay if, if you if you're if your listeners are from pittsburgh you'll know the inclines and the inclines are actually like um vertical railroads so so it's on a track and one goes up and one goes down and yeah. it's pulled by cords but this is just this this hangs so it, it's a massive tramway system that that hangs mm. and the, the gondola hangs and it goes up and down and and uh, yeah, cool. That's Take one of Albuquerque's across the joys. state. Yeah. Well, this is uh, Father Mike here. Um, the other Father Mike and Father other Father Mike. Does Father anybody Mike call too. you Mike? No, Mikey. Everybody called all guys. All guys call me Mike. It was it was any time I introduced myself, I'd always say Michael, and then guys would change it to mike instantly girls would keep it michael and then yeah like close friends it became mike but i've had so many nicknames oh, yeah. including now <laughs> throughout my life that that M- mike even then is, has never been one of them or mikey really yeah. yeah we got father joseph lejoie in the house yeah he's working on his stuff but um it's just great to be together it's like uh how good and beautiful it is where brothers dwell together Yep, oh, yeah, different unity. brothers. And you and I are living together this summer, or at least for a couple months of it, which yep. is awesome. It's great. Yeah, just to get together, to be, to be in the same place, to get together to pray and to share meals and just like interact with our lives and everything. Yeah. It's different. I'm surprised how different it is. Um, I know Father John had mentioned this the other day. Oh, no, this was a uh, Lord's Day. Anyway, um, 
how different it can be to um, like the dorm setting. I live in this institutional thing over yeah. there in Rome, and um, it just doesn't feel like a home right. where you're interacting. And we do a lot of interacting. We're praying together, eating together, all this stuff. But there's something different about like actually, yeah. you know, you, you get up and meet over coffee in the morning. And I was wondering, like, how far are you in John's rooms from each other? Uh, we're a couple of floors away. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. And then Father Dan Eusterman's coming over this yeah. next year. So we're going to have another true Denver three bro. man companions house. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. See, I'm not used to community at all. I mean, I have, I've lived in my own rectory, uh, for the entire time I've been a companion and I have no community life. So when Goble as kind of our, our, uh, spiritual director for our association gatherings kind of threw the question out, what, it, what does community look like for you guys? And many of us had never lived in community before. Yeah. I mean, obviously with our families and then in college and things like that, but as far as being priests and I thought, I just thought about it for about five minutes as other guys were talking and I said, ideally you wake up probably earlier than you would normally because you have the accountability of your brothers. You pray a holy hour together, quick breakfast with each other. And then since we're diocesan priests, we immediately go out. We love our people, take care of our parish, do what we do. And then in the evenings, when everything's done, we come back and then we pray evening prayer or night prayer together, whatever time it is, and then have a nightcap, just talk about, you know, whatever we want to yeah, talk about, our day, life. Jesus, ministry, vent, get feedback, accountability, and then go to bed and do it all over again the next day. It's like, there's something about capping the days with community. It's like, I don't need as a diocesan priest, I don't have the vocation to be with, with the guys all day long, yeah. except maybe on the day off or something like that. Today's our day off. So we're hanging out together, but you know, there, there's something about capping the day with community. I think the beginning and the end of the day in a very human way are the two loneliest parts of the day, mm. especially like, like at the end of the day, when, when you're going to bed and it just feels so solitary you know and yeah. so it's kind of nice to say i'm going to begin the day with hope and with joy with brotherhood with prayer with a quick meal at the end of the day winding down you know ha have some sort of discussion that makes me feel like even if the entire day was just done in some sort of exhausting labor that didn't seem to have much of a point to it if we can finish the day with discussion whether it's on what we preached about that day who we visited things like that there's something it, it adds a a level of intensity or mm. even dynamism to the day to being able to discuss it with someone at the end yeah. this is why my mother and you're just like you're sharing your life it's yeah. very natural it's familial yeah my, my mom used to when i get home from elementary school two minutes tell me about your day Oh, and when nice. you're a kid, like two minutes is just so long. And, but of course, once we got talking, we go much more than two minutes. But that was her requirement. Two minutes to, to talk about your day before you go off and play or do homework yeah. or whatever. And it's like there, there's something so human about that. It, that that's, you know, kind of what, what we've been able to do in a sense. We've kind of been passing each other. Yeah, we've just started. But unfortunately, but we've yeah, got uh, a couple of months to go. So, yeah, um, yeah that's exciting. I know you, you did a podcast on Community is Hard. I yeah. started, I'm about halfway through that one. Nice. And um, yeah, it's just interesting to see that it's like an investment, but there's such joy, I think, at, just at the beginning, like at the outset and at the possibility of um, sharing life with yeah. you know, the other guys. So uh, great. Yeah. So far, so good. Uh, today is the Feast of St. Thomas yeah. when we're recording July 3rd. And I, it's got me thinking about the 4th of July. Yeah. You know, it's coming up. Um, you got these uh, american flags flying in ha uh, in front of houses and there's the thrill of fireworks in the air mm -hmm. there's already some people shooting yeah. off fireworks and um i don't it's it's always a fun time you know you have you go grilling with your fr friends and family yeah. you uh watch fireworks you um celebrate somehow rest and yeah you rest <laughs> um the, uh, all good things 
it's a good time of year. Um, it's, it's been a lot of family lately. I went to visit my sister in Georgia, and uh, she's doing full-time ministry uh, or missionary work at uh, Life Teen Camp mm. called Hidden Lake, where they have all of these... Um, it was junior high over there, but they have junior high and high schoolers come to camp, and they get really messy with obstacle courses and... Uh, lots of fun games. There's a there's a rock wall and there's the blob where you're. Uh, it's like a big pillow. Somebody lays on the end of oh, it, yeah. and then somebody else jumps off this like platform. I've seen those videos. And then um, shoots shoots the person on the end off into the lake, yeah. and it's really uh, really fun. If we so did they got that all as these companions. Games. What's that? If we did that as companions, it would definitely be lunch sitting on the pillow and gobel jumping on oh yeah it. that'd be <laughs> you gotta have there's proportions. the most effective the, yeah right there's effective proportions yeah or maybe yeah a few of us shooting off uh the others you know yeah one, one, one guy <laughs> so we yeah the kids are all praying they had live stations of the cross they have eucharistic nice. adoration a lot of singing um a lot of joy it was just wonderful and I haven't been around junior high kids. I forgot how awkward they were and also how like delightful and, um, I don't know, fun and caring. And they're yeah. just like living with this uh, kind of carefree spirit of being in the moment. And um, it's it was delightful. It was really good to see my sister. And I'm just like proud of what's going on over there. Yeah. It looked really fun. I didn't do that when I was in junior high. And uh I'm kind of jealous. Yeah. I used to do backpacking trips in the Sangre de Cristos down in Southern oh, Colorado. Nice. Oh, it was amazing. Absolutely amazing. It was a Lutheran. Uh, my best friend was Lutheran. It was a Lutheran backpacking camp. Mm. I look forward to that thing every year. You just like, you get out in the middle of nature and you can see all the stars. I had never before in my life seen satellites moving across the sky. Like oh, it was yeah. dark enough. There was zero light pollution that you could see the stars and then you would see just tiny, it was certainly further away than planes, there's little lights going across the sky. It was incredible. So then you can tell that there's satellites because they're moving. I always have yeah. tr trouble with it. People are like, that one's a planet. And I say, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, I think the it's planets brighter. are just brighter because oh. they're closer. Obviously, they're reflecting light. They're not giving off light. But, but the satellites are very small, actually, probably even smaller than most stars. But mm. you can see them moving. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. yeah, it was great. I went to like a, a non-denominational Christian camp mm. that was similar to this Life Teen thing and probably like what, what you did. But we would live in teepees and uh, kind of run around the woods and games and stuff. It's called Idrahaji. Oh, yeah. I went for a couple of years. I'd rather have Jesus. Yeah. Idrahaji. Yeah, oh, yeah. A Christianer, Antonette does that every year. Yeah. She, uh, her and her family go, and they, they've known the director and run those camps. At Idrahaji? Yeah. We've got this, like, uh, what's it called? Camp Oitiwa. Yeah. That's cool, too. That's, I was up there last week. I think junior high kids. But they're like savages. I mean, they're running around. <laughs> they live in tents, and they yeah. get so dirty, and... It looks like tons of fun. Before you got here today, I was I was talking to John about that because we were and actually Lejuatu, we were up there hearing confessions and like you, you see a, a middle school boy walk in and he's just caked with dirt. Oh yeah, you know he's been there a couple of days. He does not care. He's just caked and you know it's like that's the life that's going back to nature. So these, these kids just and some of the to the counselors, they're college kids and they're coated in dirt too. It's like just oh, loving the man. land. All right, so I was flying back 
from Georgia. Um, wonderful Georgia, beautiful place, forested. You got the Georgia pines, boiled peanuts, peaches. People are so nice. They're polite. They say things like, um, sir, hello, sir. I'm, I'm not used to being called sir. <laughs> hello, sir. Hello, ma'am. Thank you, miss. All these things. Yeah, it was great. So I'm flying back. And I get into a conversation, a rather long conversation, probably very annoying for the, the neighbors in the um, section of the airplane, but interesting conversation with two people, one who was like super, super patriotic and kind of telling us about how um, America is better than any other place in the world and um, kind of listing off all of the things that are wrong with the world and how America's got it right. You know, everything's perfect. And um, we're, I'm not sure why she was sort of evangelizing us with the gospel of America, but um, that was her thing, you know? And then she, this, this other woman that was there um, had traveled the world a great deal. And um, she was coming from Ethiopia or she's like a second generation uh, immigrant from Ethiopia. And uh, she loves America, but she was she had a very different attitude about everything and was um, rather critical about a lot of things. And I didn't know if it was like a corrective to this other woman who was so kind of over the top and without a whole lot of reason. Um, but it, it was interesting to see that like that contrast and it brought up the question for me, what, what is patriotism? And then how is that like lived on a, um, on a human level as a virtue? And then what's the, what's the Christians take? Like what do Catholics think about what, how we're supposed to um, relate to our country and kind of what it means to be patriot? In a lot of the uh, Catholic parishes, you'll have patriotic hymns sung yep. on the 4th of July. You'll get together and have a mass. A lot of people will go to mass yep. to pray for the country, to celebrate this kind of day off and, you know, festival, this national holiday. And it's a really cool thing. So a lot of, um, a lot of parishes have a U.S. flag somewhere in the church or something like that. So it's a rather patriotic type of environment i think yeah. these american parishes um but i hadn't thought about it a lot so i thought talking about it and doing a little research might help yeah. kind of process that yeah especially since hopefully this will come out uh two days yeah after so uh, we're day. trying to land around fourth yeah. of july amen. while it's still fresh in people's memories right. amen. all the fireworks these the smell of the sulfur there we go um what else did we have we had bomb pops do you remember bomb pops? Oh, those are the like red, a, white, and blue. Yeah, red, yeah, white, and blue pops, yeah. popsicle. Yeah. It looks like a rocket. Yeah. Oh, we, we could never afford the ice cream truck ice cream. Uh -huh. So I'd see them on the side of the truck, but we'd never, we never, we had, a, my family just had a freezer full of those otter pops. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we kind of made our own. It's like yeah. that frozen stick that. Yep, exactly. You squeeze colors. it up, then it starts melting and you drink the rest. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. What's your favorite color? <laughs> I think I like the blue best, if I remember correctly. The blue and the purple, those darker colors are my favorite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. we were the same. We had Otter Pops. My mom would actually make um, frozen apples. We had an apple tree in the background. Huh. And uh, she would just f slice them up and then freeze them. 
And that wow. was a nice snack. Yeah. And then we sometimes we'd have like the generic ice cream sandwiches, which yeah. is probably my only, um, I, I guess, dessert that I care about anymore. If somebody offers me <laughs> one right. of those like generic ice cream, oh, I hate I hate sweets. I don't like dessert. But that thing is like nostalgic. Yeah, I'm all about that too. Okay, so patriotism. It's something like mature patriotism that I want to talk about. Awesome. So when I was in um, college seminary, we were reviving a Knights of Columbus chapter at the college. And I didn't really know much about the Knights of Columbus, except that they made pancakes sometimes and they um, wore funny hats. Yeah, they gave out Tootsie Rolls. And then they were sort of like the the dudes club Mm. in the parish. But I found out when... Uh, I started that they were founded around f- four key principles. So th- let's see if I wrote them down. Yeah, I did. Charity, unity, fraternity. What does that sound like? Charity, unity, fraternity. Fraternity, unity. I'm going everywhere with this. Uh, oh, it's just, they're kind of like um, French revolution. Oh, I see. Uh, right. Values okay. that were also important, I think in the founding of the United States. Right. And then the fourth is patriotism. Hmm. And the first three are very like kind of regular virtues when we're talking about the Christian life, right? Charity, unity, fraternity are sure. kind of transcendentals and very typical to Christianity. But I was surprised by the patriotism And I was challenged maybe for the first time when invited to help restart this chapter to ask, am I, am I a patriot? Hmm. Like, what does that mean? And what would it look like for me? And I realized I was kind of a naive patriot, Hmm. but also a bit suspicious of like praising American culture to excess. Yeah. You know, it was kind of a time when I was about 19, 18, 19, when I'm realizing I'm looking at the world seriously for the first time, I'm learning news and politics and history and all of these things. I'm studying philosophy. I'm becoming familiar with other cultures and histories and seeing American culture within a context that's a little broader, you know? So I was really wondering like am i a patriot and why do we have to insist that this is like a virtue what about reform you know there were a lot of things that i was recognizing are uh, frustrating or disappointing about um, the culture around me and there were a lot of faults and so i was like well unless it's perfect why am i gonna like yeah Praise this, celebrate, invest my life in this is my identity. I'm like an American patriot or whatever. Right. And I felt like with a lot of the faults in culture, they were so systemic and large and broad, like this national thing, that I couldn't do anything about it, hmm. you know? And if I can't um, sort of do something to address the problems that I see, do I want to be a sort of, um, uh, I, well, do I want, not, do I want to be a member of that institution? I was at that level, I was happy to be like, you know, American citizen, but do I want to be the guy who's wearing the, uh, you, the U S flag as a shirt 
and running around telling people how great America is. Right. You know? right. Like what was the level of my and, and I, that's what I thought patriotism meant there. It was just our country is the best and that's what I'm living for. You know, yeah. I'm going to make it my mission to let everybody know. And I felt like in the States, everybody kind of has that attitude anyway. So like, what are you supposed to be, you know, kind of spreading or whatever, like promoting? Yeah. Um, okay. So that was kind of my first run in with this stuff. And I did become a Knight of Columbus uh, very happily and have learned that virtue kind of ever since and sort of learned to refine my understanding of how I can um, be patriotic. Yeah. yeah. Well, the way that your initial reaction was, I think is very common. There's like one understanding, I'm not talking about true patriotism here, but the kind of the, the American understanding of patriotism. There's one sense of I'm patriotic because I truly believe that my country is the best. Like it might not be perfect, but it's still the best. Um, this is, you know, someone, I kind of bandwagon fans for a sports team. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I admitted on the podcast one time that I do like the Patriots, even though I live in Denver and I'm a huge Broncos fan. I, <laughs> I, I, I like the Patriots because they're so good. They're very dedicated to their skill. They're very dedicated to their art. They're dedicated to football and they work really hard. And so there's, I appreciate them for that reason. Maybe I'm not a fan of them, but I appreciate them for that reason. So there's, there's like an appreciation that I can say America, even if it's not perfect, is still the best. But the other thing I thought of when you were saying, cause I'm of the same attitude, how can I, walk up to someone and argue why I'm proud to be American unless everything is perfect. And this mm -hmm. reminded me in one sense of why a lot of my secular friends cannot claim to be religious. They can't believe to believe in God because they cannot explain every aspect. They cannot argue rationally every argument against God. Yeah, it's that perfectionism. Yeah, it is. And, and so is does patriotism mean that I think even though we're not perfect we're the best doesn't mean that you know i can i it is the best it's doing everything perfectly and, and i can argue every single point you know i'm just kind of throwing out some false yeah. ideas here yeah, but th question. those are the that's the process that i've gone through as well thinking about this when i was younger yeah and i think another kind of um, analogy is the way that people look at the church or christianity or being religious it's like you're protected if you say, I'm not connected to an institution. Right. So yep, me and God, exactly. we're fine. But if I get involved, then I have to be accused of the things that this institution is. Yeah. You know? And if, it's, if I have some doubts or worries or con like actual criticism, how can I like put my, put my name in on that? Yeah. You know? How can it's I like, be? Unless I'm in full control of it. And mm -hmm. honestly, this is one of the reasons like, I will not be part of an organized religion because I'm not in full control of it. Somebody else can do something wrong and it will reflect on me. This right. is honestly, I think, why in our individualistic, relativistic society, why marriage is not working out. Like the whole point of marriage is I am now vulnerable. I'm letting another sinful, weak human being mm. affect everything about my life. And and the the way people see them, the impression they give off now reflects on me. And I'm, I'm willing to let that happen, which of course finds its utmost conclusion in Christ who allows billions of sinful people to be his body. 
in the church. Like the church is human and divine, but the human dimension is always screwing things up, always messing things up. And Jesus somehow still agrees to let his identity be wound up in us sinful human beings. Yeah. And, and we can't even do that in a marriage. And we can't do that in a country with patriotism, you know. So anyway, yeah. it's, it's well, a human me... condition issue. Here's a quote from John Paul II in his book, uh, Memory and Identity. I think it was the last one that he published, okay. perhaps. Anyway, he's talking about patriotism. And he says this, Patriotism is a love for everything to do with our native land its history, its traditions, its language, its natural features. It is a love which extends also to the works of our compatriots and the fruits of their genius. Every danger that threatens the overall good of our native land becomes an occasion to demonstrate this love. I believe that the same could be said of every country and every nation in Europe and throughout the world. Hmm. So it's that love. Patriotism comes from um, this word patria that's like the fatherland it's the family that you're born into or the place yeah. that you're born into the culture with all of its its particularities right so i think it is something like family where you don't choose where you're born or right. who you're born to or the language they speak or the food they eat and part of life is growing into a love of the gift that you've been given just by who you are, where you've been placed, you know, somehow God knows what is good for us yeah. and um, wants our joy. And so this is wrapped up in the mystery of providence, that we're people of a certain place and time. And uh, so John Paul gives us this invitation to look at patriotism as a love for country and to see that as a Christian virtue. Uh, a love for all the particularities of our country. Now he goes on to make it clear that this is not saying we are the best in comparison to everybody else. He doesn't do that. He says, we're looking at our own country and praising its own genius, its virtues, uh, the good that we see in our own particular culture. And there's good everywhere. You know, this is what we're celebrating you know, our value of freedom, um, our foundation as um, a country that said, we're going to base our society and our governance on a trust in God and on principles of freedom, respect, um, unity, uh, opportunity for, for everyone. And it doesn't have to be kind of reduced to like, what's our constitution or something, but everything that we see, there's like ingenuity in, in Americans. There's these little pieces of polite culture where people will call you sir mm. and offer you peach pie, uh, even though you're a stranger, that's delightful. And it's particular to a, a place. Um, okay, so this is not to say there's nothing wrong. Oh, and it's not to say we're better than everybody else. It certainly can't come from a comparison with all the negatives of other place. And I think this is where I was a little unsettled with the way that this um, fellow passenger on the, on the flight was talking. It was like, in order to feel like we have a good country, you have to 
point out how everything else is terrible right. and fallen. And the fact is, we're fallen too. And countries don't really work like better and worse. It's like families. We should be happy to, uh, and proud of our family. But it's not a comparison like our family is better than yours or the one down the street or whatever it is. It's just like a mature love comes from recognizing the good in something and like deepening our awareness of that and our joy yeah. in being given that gift of being a part of something. Yeah, I also heard in him the, the kind of acknowledgement and always when it comes to God, when we acknowledge something he does, we also thank him for it because everything God gives us is gift. So there's some sort of acknowledgement that I was born in this country, in this culture, with these specific people that have these skill sets, these talents, and, and that that is affected generationally. Um, you know, Chesterton is, if you just, if you just Google Chesterton patriotism, he talks about patriotism so much. And of course yeah. he was a good Catholic and he, you know, he's very much about kind of acknowledging the, the generational good that is built up to where we are now. You know, he, he, he wants us to settle in and kind of choose almost like C.S. Lewis and mere Christianity. You know, you could walk down the hall of a house for a while, but eventually you need to choose a room. And he was talking about finding a specific church to belong to. You can't just be generally Christian, C.S. Lewis says. You have to find one expression of it, you know, f find a church to belong to. Within Catholicism, of course, we have our 23 different churches. You know, you can find one that, that you know, what used to be ethnic or geographic kind of touches your soul. That's why I'm Byzantine Ruthenian, you know. But there's, um, you, you settle in, you see that this society has not only been affected by the people living now. Um, Chesterton talks about this like it's democracy. You know, the democracy of the dead is tradition. Tradition, all the things that led up and fed us with what we have now is um, given to us by previous generations. If you adapt that to and apply that to patriotism, then you have we are thankful that God put me here. I acknowledge that he did, that I'm thankful for it. And I'm acknowledging all the people of the past generations who allowed me to be restful in the fact that God had me, created me to be born in this country that has mm. these specific traditions and that those things did for me as a person. Yeah. Yeah, so we've got patriotism that's, a virtue. A virtue always means some sort of mean between two extremes. So I've kind of been talking about one extreme, which is like an unthoughtful uh, braggadoon, bragged, braggadociousness. Braggadocio or something. You're going like to brag that. about something, even though you, you haven't thought it through a whole lot and you don't have a good point of comparison. You're yeah. just doing it in principle. It's very bragging for the sake of bragging. Yeah, yeah it's kind of childish, you know? Yeah. So then we don't want that. And we're trying to say, um, how do we appreciate something without having to tear down other things or always see it in comparison just to value the good things. Okay. On, on the other hand, you have an extreme that's equally dangerous, I suppose, which is to notice all the faults and then to just reject where you come from and say everything is messed up and I don't want to be identified at all with that. In fact, I, if I, 
if I didn't have to, I wouldn't live here. I would, there's grasses, there's like greener grass somewhere else. And that's what I would look for. Right. Um, and that's equally un, unreflective sometimes where there's no perfect place. This isn't Eden. The world doesn't have Eden. So you might have some particular problems and say, I really hate this about my culture. And I can address that by going somewhere else, you know, where they do something different, but you're never going to find any perfect place. And there's something about maturity in life general, uh, just accepting the fallenness of ourselves, our families, our country, and then praying for it, loving, loving the country. So you have this, uh, little reference I, I found from First uh, Timothy 2, 1, where the author, Paul, tells Timothy to uh, pray for the kings, pray for Caesar, um, because the Christians are meant to live in peace among um, sometimes a hostile world. So with that goal in mind, that we have, we have a different program than just controlling the environment in which we live. We don't have to be in charge and control everything and fix everything in order to live in peace and to support uh, the country that we live in. So if you think of T Timothy and Paul, Paul is inviting him to pray for a system that often persecuted Christians, that had a very different theology that Christians considered wrong, you know, that's paganism. There were some really wildly violent aspects of Roman culture. And you think of the gladiator games, but even their policy of war and uh, kind of oppression worldwide was worth being very frustrated if you're living on the outside or if you're one of the marginalized cultures within this greater system. But Paul doesn't say we need to fix everything before we're going to be content and we're going to be living the way we live as Christians. And he doesn't say we have to uh, live our lives fixing stuff. He just says, pray for Caesar, uh, pray for the Roman, em uh, the Roman Empire. And I think that's just a beautiful thing to notice. When Father McGivney, the founder of the Knights of Columbus, uh, started this thing off of the principle of patriotism. It was in 1882. One of the reasons to start this fraternal association of uh, the Knights of Columbus was that you had immigrants coming to the United States, very poor people, and they were living in some very difficult situations. This is kind of like industrial America. You have um, a lot of, I mean, it was just hard to be very poor at that time in America. And so this pastor, he said, well, we should band together to help the poor people in our community, in our parish. And um, they did that beautifully and started this movement. But it's interesting to see that patriotism was like a mark of this movement and this culture at a time when Catholics were a very small minority in the United States and in that East Coast you know, in the, in the colonial United States. And uh, they were also just like poor and suffering. So to say this is a great place is kind of ironic at the time, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Uh, 
but I think there's something so beautifully valuable about that to say things don't have to be perfect for me to praise good things and to recognize good things. And we don't have to control it or have, you know, like dominance over the culture, call every shot, you know, lead the whole thing to recognize the good things and then to pray for pray for the country. So there's that like that, that median, uh, the, the middle ground between these two excesses where you can recognize the faults, be honest about those things. I mean, we have a mission to reform society. We continue mm-hmm. to have to speak into a society and say some of these things are wrong that we do. And um, let's let's do what we can to fix them, you know, for the good of society and for the world and for ourselves. And then we accept things and pray for them. I think there's something of a mature patriotism somewhere in between, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I think that patriotism, too, if you want to say I'm a patriot means this is the area in the case of a country, of, an, of a nation state. This is where I'm going to invest my efforts to make it better. So mm-hmm. if I'm patriotic about being American, like I want – I appreciate what the founders have done. I appreciate what has happened in the past. I appreciate that I am a child and was formed in this culture, in these traditions, um, by these people um, over the course of generations. But this is also where I'm going to invest myself in the future. You know, we're born into a family, like you mentioned, family early. In this family, I've told the story before, where when I was in high school, I got obsessed with homeless ministry, and I got obsessed with like getting cheap food and bringing it to the homeless because these people. I didn't know them. They had never hurt me. I had never hurt them. It was like a new experience. And I could mm-hmm. walk up to them and give them a, you know, a 25-cent McDonald's hamburger, and they would smile and say thank you. And it was so surface. Like I felt so good saying I'm providing something for somebody else. The interaction was basic, surface, and simple, and that's what I needed. But my mom would finally tell me, like, you're, you're downtown every night. And she said charity starts at home. It's harder mm. to love these people in this in this home that you know and that have hurt you, you've hurt them. It's it's hard to love them, and the the relationship is certainly not surface, but it, it it's not as easily affirming. But it shouldn't be, you know. So my family is where I invest my time. My my county, my city, my state, my parish. You know, my parish is where I invest my efforts. And then patriotism is saying my country is where I'm investing my efforts. You know, we live in an increasingly globalized society so you know we know when a terrorist act happens across the world and if we're completely aware of every negative thing that happens across the whole world which is what social media and 24-hour news allows like i can get depressed by something that's happening so far not only from me geographically but from my realm of influence like i can get a terrorist act happens in in africa europe and I, i can't help that yeah. but it's i still and let it depress me disp- yeah just yeah. despair like what can be done right and and because nothing can be done but if, if something is happening in my country in my family in my state in my parish there's certainly a a faithfulness to that community that i actually can have an impact on when in my country i can vote you know i i can i can run for office i can actually impact uh, the schools and the education system and the free, you know, religious freedom. I can affect all these things in my country. So patriotism is acknowledgement of kind of grow where you've been planted, you know, mm-hmm. where you found a home 
you, you're put here because it's a gift of God, and God has, in a sense, given you a mandate to to impact that society. Don't get overwhelmed with what's happening in other places. Mm. Don't let these things bring you to despair. Invest your time, your effort, your work in the place where God put you, country, family, parish, etc. Yeah, that's love. Yeah. And it's always seeking something deeper, you know, a deeper connection, a deeper... Um, I don't, I don't know. It's just like the the relationship can't just be this surface talk. Like I love this thing. I love you. What? Right. No, but that doesn't. When we when we act on it, when it's tested by time, when it involves forgiveness, when it it requires us to get creative and go out of ourselves to do something to love yeah. someone. So it's just interesting. For me right now to realize you can love your country. Yeah. You know, it seems so abstract. It's much more abstract than a person. But uh, let's try to do that. Yeah. And I've been trying to wrap my mind around ever since I became a companion. I've been more uh, content in community among friends. So I've been able to kind of reach out more on a on a more vulnerable level to people outside my community, because if they reject me or, or flake on an appointment or whatever, it's not going to hurt me because I have real community. So I've been doing that more recently in the past couple of years. And what I've realized is that like, as I reach out to and make more secular friends, I've had to kind of reanalyze what I mean by the word love. So like if I tell someone who doesn't believe in Jesus, if, if I tell someone in the church, I love you, I'm saying that Jesus is love. You know, he is love. So so when I say I love you, I am saying we are bonded together within the one body of Christ. And, and this allows us to affect each other in a very, very real way. When I'm talking to someone who's not Christian, who doesn't believe in Christ, what do I mean by love? And so I've been trying to find that definition. And what I'm kind of come up with in the past few days, like if I tell one of my secular friends, I love you. And if they ever ask me, which I hope they do one day, like, what do you mean by that? When you mm. say I love you, what do you mean by that? And so my my working definition at this point by discernment is I desire you to affect my life. I'm mm. going to live differently because like of you. I've chosen you. I've ch- exactly. I've, I've chosen that you're going to have an impact on my life. If you're having a hard day, it's going to affect me. If you're having a good day, it's going to affect me. And my love for you is actually saying I'm going to let that happen. I want you to affect me. In a sense, I'm I'm taking you and saying – I acknowledge sometimes you're going to be a burden, and I want that. Mm. I want the bond, the unity among persons that allows you to be burdened sometimes. I'm going to, you know, have joy when you have joy, weep when you have weep, sing when you sing. You know, our, our, our lives are tied together in a very real way where we actually affect each other. That's my definition of love for them. And if you can say, I love my country, it's like I'm affected by my country, and I want to affect my country. We're in a relationship of of mutual effect. Sometimes it's a burden to be American. Sometimes it's a joy to be American. And I can actually affect what it means to be American. And the rest of Americans can affect me in their relationship. So I don't think there's anything wrong with saying at all. You know, I I, I, I love my country because it's a it's a word meaning we are bonded together and we affect each other's lives. And mm-hmm. that is something I uh, intentionally doing and willing to do. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that's patriotism. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. You got shout outs? Happy 4th of July. Actually, I do. Yeah. Happy 4th of July. God bless America. Amen. All right. Uh, 
Uh, I'll go ahead and go first. Um, so we got an email uh, regarding something that Father Nathan and I said on the Fatima and the Prodigal podcast. And by the way, this was not my shout out. It was Father Nathan's, but since he's not here, I can say this. We got an email. Gentlemen, I'm not sure which two of you presented the Fatima and the Prodigal podcast. And then they say, which was excellent, by the way. I listened to it in the air and I thought you did a great job. However, you committed an egregious yet pardonable offense. In your shout out to your former formator, who is now a U.S. Navy chaplain, you recognize a Navy couple. Then you did it. You uttered the unutterable. Go Navy, beat Army. Ooh. I really respected you guys until then. But then I realized that like others of biblical fame, you probably did not know what you did. Ouch. So following the example of one of my absolute favorite people, whom I also worship, I decided to forgive you. You, may, you can make it up, though. Temporal punishment. Please give a shout-out to the Focus Missionaries Serving God at the United States Military Academy. Then please say, Go Army, Beat Navy. Beat Navy. <laughs> yeah, As a 1982 graduate of the August August Institution, I will then consider that temporal debt due to all of your Army fans satisfied. God bless you in the ministry. I find your conversations enlightening and helpful. And you may, and you give me hope for the future of the priesthood in the United States. I wish there were more priests with your mix of dedication, holiness, and humor. In Christ, Deacon Chip Jones. Thank you, Deacon. Yeah, shout out God to all the folks and missionaries at the Military Academy and to Deacon Chip Jones. Thanks for the email. Nice. My future brother-in-law, my sister's getting married in two weeks, and he's a merchant marine, a frequently underappreciated branch of the military very true that's true go merchant marines i don't have to say beat anybody because i don't think they can (laughs) 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 Uh, well you got others i got some here go ahead all right so coming off of this wonderful trip to hidden lake i was terribly inspired by a lot of the missionaries all these young people given their life to Jesus, who love Jesus so much and love the church and are serving by uh, helping the kids, bringing them closer to Jesus, uh, evangelizing them. So I want to just list off all the cool people I met who uh, love the show. Nice. And um, I am inspired by their example and want to thank them. So uh, Paul Flores, he's got the arguably the coolest tattoos in Christendom. Uh, Sarah Gilly, Connor from Michigan, who told me a cool story about green chartreuse. He had learned about chartreuse on the show and yep. then impressed so did I, actually. <laughs> I think a lot of us, yeah. Yeah. Uh, old Peach, he's, uh, he told me that, he, that I was cooler than he expected. I like that compliment. And he also told me not to call him Peach. Shout out, buddy. Huh. Uh, for uh, Shut up, Pete. Tiana, who gave us a ride from the airport. She sings in musicals. She's wonderful. Steven Estes, who runs uh, some of that stuff over there and loves Hans Urs von Balthasar. Good guy. Michael David, he's asking the right questions. You got Rachel. Rachel is the most incredible scuba diving enthusiast I've ever met. Uh, Lisa, thank you. Stephen from Holy Cross, God bless you and your discernment. Uh, Lauren with the rubber ducky rosary, a little bit, I wouldn't say sacrilegious, but um, I found a a fun rosary. I just didn't know if I could bless it or not. (laughs) 
Uh, we got Ben, who gave me a boost at the rock wall. That was really nice. And then Doug, who sent me on the blob. You guys are all wonderful. And I thank God for your lives and uh, the graces that have brought you to that ministry. Thank you for what you do. Amen. And it's good you and I are recording, so we need to give that shout out to... Uh, to Captain Mike Wynn, Michael Wynn, who took us to the Rockies game, and we oh, had yeah. a, and Angelica. a Rockies game with exactly Angelica is his sister. Uh, good times. I had to leave early, and I apologize for that. But um, my my parking was running out. I ended up making it in time. Thank God, Mike. But um, you're probably still driving around the country. So when you hear this, God bless you, and also thank you for affirming the quiz show. He was one of <laughs> many, I must add, who have told me that they love the quiz show quiz show quiz show nice and they want it back nice good deal all right mike okay, good God recording you, with everybody. you happy we'll do it again. fourth of july yes happy fourth of july catholic stuff podcast at gmail.com like us on facebook affirm us on itunes etc <laughs> all right god bless y'all love you thanks